Welcome back to another School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, joined this week uh, by Brian Lewis. Brian, how are you doing today? Oh, good. Always nice to be optimistic early yeah. in the season, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And Everton, uh, off to their best start, I think, in, uh, I can't even remember the date, but um, best start in a while. I think since the 2004 season. So um, we'll get into all of that. It's been a couple weeks since we've been back. The international break has come and gone. Now we're getting back into club football again, um, and we'll talk a little bit about um, what Everton has coming up. But first, let's go back before the break and talk about how Everton got here. Um, They took on Man United uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, obviously a game where I think many of us were pretty pessimistic about due to the fact that um, Everton had – a few, uh, if not more, of their key players out, namely Seamus Coleman, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison, uh, unavailable due to injury. But Everton come out and they get a 1-1 draw, a game that could have seen a second goal go in, um, did see a second goal go in for a few seconds, and um, and then it was called back for all yeah. sides, rightly. Uh, we'll get into all of that. Um, but the goal scored by uh, Anthony Martial in the 43rd minute. Andros Townsend comes back in the 65th minute. Um, let's start with the lineup. Um, on Man United side, they did not start Ronaldo. So that should be a very big uh, – they didn't start Ronaldo. They didn't start Pogba. That's a very big, uh, you know, I think um, point here to, to touch on. But let's talk about our lineup. Did you expect anything else, or is this kind of what you would have expected based on the players we had available? Yeah, I mean, you know, we always get optimistic and talk about how Everton should compete for the top four, but, you know, two to three injuries, and this is what you get. You know, they, there's not a whole lot unless, you know, you really want to start Tom Davies or you really want to try JPG up out there and. I don't think he's at full fitness. Um, you know, you look at the bench, Lewis Dobbin, Charlie Whitaker, Jared Brantway, Andy Lonergen. Uh, <laughs> you know, not John Joe Kenny might be the third or fourth most experienced Premier League player <laughs> on that bench. Uh, and that tells you all you really need to know. So, you know, it, it may be the only question was really – he was going to move guys around a little bit, but you know, this is kind of what it is. I want to say, uh, I forget who did the prediction for the starting 11, but they may have got it spot on just because yeah. these were I the think, only 11 we could have. Yeah. Pete, Pete did it. And I think Pete got it spot on. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he got it all right. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's really not much you could have done here. I think the Anthony Gordon position was the only one that was really up in the air, but of course, Alex Wobe is unavailable as well, so he's not even in the lineup, not even on the bench. Other than that, I mean, I guess you could have um, wondered whether Ben Godfrey was going to play or John Joe Kenny, but I think all of us expected Ben Godfrey to play. Basically about as obvious, I mean, there wasn't really much else you can do. But Everton come out, and again, despite the fact that Ronaldo and Pogba are on the bench, there is, I mean, this is still a talented Man United team with Mason Greenwood and and Bruno Fernandez, um, and Everton come out and and they they play pretty well for the most part. Tell me your thoughts on the first half of this one. Let's start there. 
you know, it was, I feel like it was okay. Uh, you know, it, uh, you know, they definitely had moments, but it just, I don't know. It, it was a, an exciting mat, a exciting first half where you didn't necessarily think Everton was going to win it, but yeah, the Martial goal, I mean, there, there was a, a little moment uh, of Greenwood's pass was really nice there, but even then there was a deflection that took that ball away from Pickford. Um, you know, without that deflection probably doesn't score. Um, you know, and, and I think it's fair to say the first half, you know, zero zero, or if it had been one one, would have been fair. You know, really zero zero because I don't. It's hard for me to say Everton really should have had a goal in that first half. Um, yeah, I, I think. But, yeah, yeah, I think I agree with you. I think, in my personal opinion, I think it's. I thought Everton played well enough to go in the half tied at zero. Um, they didn't really have too much of an attacking threat going forward in the, in the first half, but they did plenty enough defensively to neutralize Man United and really not give them any chances. The only mistake was really the Martial goal. And I mean, even then it was a deflection that went in and you know, it, it's, that's a hard goal to, to swallow. And I think many of us at halftime probably felt like that, um, that it was, you know, we, we were hard done by, by being down one, nothing, but Everton come out, and, um, you know, they, 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 things change in the second half. And all of a sudden, bing, bang, boom, quick counterattack, and Everton have scored a goal. Give me your thoughts on the, the Townsend goal, you know, how it, the build up and, and kind of, you know, whether this was something that was leading towards it, uh, you know, the way Everton played the first 20 minutes of this half. Yeah, I you know it was it's kind of that classic Townsend comes through in, in the end. Um, you know it. I, I kind of almost at this point it's kind of a classic Everton goal of what we've seen this year. You know, just just the build up to it and kind of you know what what we expect from them. You know, they're not a full possession team. Um, it's just not uh, that they don't do well in that situation. There's not yeah. that talent to break down teams. It's, it's the counterattack and, you know, Hey, off a corner in this case, uh, you know, you take what you can get. Um, but it's, it's kind of almost that when, when Everton breaks and, and I'd have to go find it, but I feel like, you know, maybe an 80, 80, 90% of the time when they, when they can get someone behind the defense, even if it's out wide, yeah, they convert, mm -hmm. um, and and that's what happened here. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of the perils of some poor uh, poor defense. You know, kind of in the middle of the field from United, and they just got caught. Uh, although Fernandez's corner was atrocious. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, like yeah, that's one of those as a coach. You go, yeah, that that's gonna be a pain in the ass, and. It was, uh, it was for United, um, but I, you know, it. The hard part is, you know, against the United, you know, you're going to counterattack against, you know, a Burnley or a Norwich or a, a you know, a, all these other teams that are going to park the bus. You've got to figure out a way to break them down because they're trying to counter on you, and that's where yeah. we, we run into problems. Yeah, and I, you know, I think we've done a decent job of that so far this season. I, I mean, 
you know, that's only, I mean, the two bad games, obviously the two games that we really didn't get uh, much from that we felt we probably could have got more from were the Aston Villa match and the Leeds match. Um, but I, I, you know, I think obviously the injuries playing that a little bit too. So we'll see how they play with, you know, a fully healthy lineup once, um, if we ever get there at this point with <laughs> injuries that we have, but, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean the goal specifically, I, you know, the three players that I think have been three of possibly the best players for Everton this season combined on the goal, Damari Gray showing so much strength on the corner there. And then, then Ducore getting the ball and Ducore just nice, does a nice little chop to get by, you know, it was, it was, <laughs> it was almost from Decore, you don't expect that type of strength. Yeah. Or excuse me, from Gray, you don't expect that type of strength. From Decore, you yeah. don't expect that type of finesse skill. And then Townsend's just right there running through and just calm, cool, and collected, finishes it off. And like you said, I mean, this is what Everton football is right now. Counterattacking football. Only seven or only twenty-eight percent possession compared to seventy-two percent from Man United. They only had one corner compared to Man United's ten corners. Um, only completed 268 passes compared to the 700 passes completed by Man United. Um, but they were still getting shots off. You know, yes, Man United had six shots on target to Everton's two, but the shots were equal. Everton had 12, Man United had 13. Um, you know, I think this is just, at least for right now, until Rafa can maybe get new players in, this is what we're going to have to expect week in and week out. And honestly, it's working. So I don't really care. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. After this goal, um, you know, even before this goal, at the halftime, Man United brought on, um, brought on Sancho. 57th minute, they brought on Ronaldo. 60 or 70th minute, they brought on Pogba. Their, guy, their big guys are in there. Was there any point in this match in the second half where you felt Everton may go down and, 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 end, up, and end up losing this game? No, because, you know, and it's, I don't know how much of it's Ronaldo still getting his feet under him, feeling everybody out, but there really wasn't much in this. And, and even, uh, you know, there, there were a couple shots, I guess, you know, I'll say once Ronaldo and Pogba were on, but nothing that really challenged um, mm-hmm. Pickford, you know, I, yeah. really, I mean, Outside of the goal, the only thing that was, I feel, really a decent chance was the Cavani uh, goal from earlier, you know, when uh, when the defense sort of left Keane out to dry between two players. And, yeah. and even then, that header, you know, the, the expected goal on it, I had pulled it up because I was curious. And it was only a .08 because of how far out it was. Yeah. You know, like – and to me, that was the real defining chance of yeah. the match. Whereas it, we had many more opportunities, mm-hmm. and it's you know to to be fair with United, I think it's kind of that same. Um, talking with a friend about Pogba, I always describe it as when he plays for France, you see a joy when he plays, and I don't generally see that with United. And and I didn't hear, and it's a sub. He had, I think it was like twenty minutes. Yeah, on, 20 minutes, yeah. Something 20 minutes. like that. And, yeah, it, it, it was kind of one of those, okay, um, you know, getting into the match. But, yeah, it, it you know, and that seems to be united from what, what you read and what friends yeah. say is that it's just not – they've got all the pieces, but things don't quite click Yeah, for whatever reason. 
Yeah, there's no team there. It's a bunch of talented individuals, but they haven't seemed to mesh as a team. I've watched a lot of Man United just this season with whether it be Premier League or Fantasy Premier League or whatever it may be. Um, and, I mean, they've had their good moments. They've had their shining moments. But the last few weeks, really, I mean, since I mean, with Ronaldo, they haven't looked fantastic. I mean, obviously, a lot of it plays into the fact that Ronaldo shares a lot of the ball. Um, you know, there isn't as much – you know, Ronaldo wants to be on the ball as much as he can. So – um, maybe that's disrupting the flow as well. But um, ever since they brought Ronaldo in, didn't, haven't really looked as potent as maybe they did in some games before. Um, and even in this game, um, as we were talking about, it, I honestly didn't feel like there were many chances that they had that I was really afraid that they were going to score. Um, I thought Everton played really well in the second half. Um, and... I think, speaking of XG, I think Everton actually ended the game with a higher XG as well than Man United. So, I mean, for a team that's getting 28% possession against, you know, with, with the injuries to three of their best players um, against the team that has the talent that Man United has, you know, it's a win. But, of course, we get to, what is it, the 86th minute, I think it was. Um, Tom Davies gets the ball on the right side of the box. Instead of shooting, he passes across the area, Mina. Yarimina gets the goal in, but of course it's called back because Yarimina was in front of the ball. Um, thoughts on this sequence? Do you blame Tom Davies for not shooting? What's your What's your whole thought process on this? I mean, there's a reason he's a midfielder and not a striker. Um, <laughs> you know, if if that's any forward or forward mind, well. It could have been Gray, Decore, yeah. you know, a number of guys on this roster they would have shot. But Davies is going to pass, and I don't, I don't know that anyone's really surprised he passed. But you know, and and in the and in the moment, anyone that thinks, oh, they would have made that decision to not pass because Mina was offside, is wrong. You have no clue what you're talking about, and go play Sunday rec league, um, <laughs> and you will make you, you will make this pass, and your guy will be offside. Um, you know, it's kind of an you, you make the decision and you go. You don't you don't account for offside. Um, but in that situation, I mean, when you look at it, it he's got to be more selfish. It's okay. I don't think anyone's going to be upset with him taking a shot there. Mm-hmm. especially when you look at the replay and it's, oh, he's, you know, Mina's offside. Like, I, I think maybe if Davies had one or two touched it, he could have played Mina while Mina was on. Uh-huh. But, you know, why, why do it? He had acres of space. So, yeah, it, you know, it, it kind of sums up Tom Davies in a way, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It, no, I- it, it, it's like, ugh. Yeah, and I I agree. I mean, I think the thing is, I mean, confidence is a huge thing here, right? You know, this is a player who who hasn't had the best stretch of – or career, really, at Everton. Um, So, I I think confidence is a huge key. But my opinion on the thing is, if Mina is on sides, you praise him for the maturity of able to pass the ball instead of taking the shot for the – you know, passing the ball to to the guy in the middle who's going to have the easier goal, you know. Like you said, I think it's hard to make that decision in the moment. Um, and if he shot it and he missed and was, you know, I think people would still be shot. I, I think it was a lose-lose situation for him unless he shot it and scored. 
Um, you know, I, I think if he shot in and missed, people would have been like, oh, well, Mina was in the middle, and then they would have had to dissect that. And, um, you know, I, I think, in my personal opinion, I don't blame him for passing at all. I don't, you know, I, would I have liked him to shoot and maybe gotten a shot on goal rather than offsides? Sure, but, um, but you know, it's, it's a spur-of-the-moment thing, and it's so close that it's just a hard decision to make, and I, I can't really blame him for that. I mean, again, it's a confidence thing. He hasn't had much confidence over, you know, his entire Everton career due to the fact that he hasn't really been that good. Um, so it's, you know, obviously it's disappointing. And when you look back at it, you're like, wow, that's, you know, a couple extra points we could have had. And if, you know, Everton get those two extra points, they're sitting at the top of the table tied with Chelsea right now. But at the same time, it's, you know, I think if we go into this game, knowing what we knew going into this game, I think that we would be very, very happy with the draw. And I, you know, I, I find, you know, I, it's hard for me to be upset about that. Um, let's talk about a few players individually. Um, for, I want to talk about, you know, we've talked about the young Tom Davies. Let's talk about the young Anthony Gordon. He started, uh, I think one of his first Premier League matches that he started, if not his first, um, hasn't played much time for Everton, has gotten obviously sub spurts here and there, but this was a real, um, you know, real opportunity in the Premier League against a team like Manchester United for him to show himself. What were your thoughts on his performance? It was a mixed bag. I, he definitely had more success in the second half, I felt like. Um, I did note, you know, and, and it's the same with all young players, especially wingers. He struggled a bit on the with his defensive responsibilities. I know in particular, um, they highlighted uh, Alan you know, kind of yelling at him to kind of get him, you know, he, he wasn't quite tracking back, getting in the right position and mm-hmm. things, you know, what, what you would expect if someone that hasn't seen a lot of games and is still kind of figuring things out at the Premier League level, um, you know, but it, it's also things where you look at it, if these are the only types of matches where he gets a look, he probably needs to go on loan. You know, I think we saw, Attacking wise, there's definitely some talent there, but he needs matches. He needs experience. He needs to be somewhere where there's an expectation that he's going to track back. You know, we don't need another James Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting that experience, you know, especially if he's not going to participate a lot in the first team. Um, yeah. You know, and personally, I. I'd probably rather have him come on over Iwobi, but I I understand why Iwobi gets the nod first, especially with his versatility and a more a better willingness to track back. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I I thought he was good. I thought he was solid. Um, he provided a lot of attacking threat. I thought, but I agree, agreed that defensively he probably could have been a little bit um, a little bit better, but. I think up until the time he got taken out, he was, he was really solid on that left side. And, um, you know, it was a really, you know, again, defensively, he's going to have to make some, um, you know, you know, make some adjustments and, and get more involved defensively. But from an attacking perspective, I thought it was a really mature performance going forward. I thought he did a really good job of creating chances, uh, worked well with the, you know, the, the other Everton players. I, I, th- I just thought he did really well. And I was happy to see that because a lot of these players that have come up from the academy have kind of petered out. They've gotten their chance and 
just haven't really worked out. And it looks like he might be moving along in the right direction. So fingers crossed that he continues, um, continues to move on and, and move forward. Um, obviously, um, do, do you have any other players that you specifically want to point out other than we've, I mean, we've talked about a lot of different guys here. We, you know, we talk about the, the John Joe Kenny situation. I feel like every week now with the Seamus Coleman injury, um, any guys that you, that stood out for you in this match or that were, you know, on the good, bad or the, or the, or the good side or the bad side? Um, you know, Rondon in particular, I, we know he's not fit. Um, I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see what he does when he is fit because I'm, uh, I get a bit of a sense. It's like a warm body at this point. Um, and I, I, I'm a little skeptical, you know, even, even for a 30 minute stretch where you go, all right, he should be fit for 30 minutes. I don't see a whole lot now, you know, how much of that was United, et cetera. You don't know. Um, but, but that's concerning. Um, obviously, for the cost, it's not a big deal, but you know, it, it highlights possibly a need for a backup uh, to DCL, especially if none of the young guys have the confidence of Rafa. Um, yeah. The only other thing I'll highlight is, and I want to make a point earlier, uh, but I know Keen got a lot of stick for Cavani's header, um, but it's not really Keen's fault. If mm-hmm. if you watch the play the whole defense and midfield got sucked towards the ball. So Keen is left with Cavani and there was one other guy in front of him um, when the ball came in. I, I want to say it was Marty Al, but uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure it might've been Mason Greenwood. And he's kind of caught in that. All right. Normally you want to go towards the guy in front of you who in this case was wide open. Um, uh-huh. I mean, if, if that cross had gone in, Pickford would have been hosed. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, and you can see he took a couple steps forward as he recognized it. Then when the ball, as soon as the ball was played, he realized it was coming back and tracked back. That's a, Keane's basically hosed regardless of what he does. And he tries to make what he thinks is the least damaging decision to the team. And then the ball, of course, immediately goes to the other player. Um, but, you know, it, it was one of those, I liked the defense in this game. I mean, yeah, they there were six shots on goal, but side of Cavani and the goal, I, I felt they did a good job, you know, dealt with the headers or dealt with the crosses and the corners well, um, you know, and we're still seeing that stability through most of the matches so far this year, yeah. which is nice. If um, everybody's healthy, which obviously, again, is not a um, guarantee right now, um, who is your center back pairing? Is it, is it Mina and Keen right now? Is it, would you plug in Godfrey for Keen or Godfrey for Mina? What's, what's your look at that? Yeah. Personally, I, run the, I ride the hot hands because, you know, with Keen in particular, we've seen him with Mina, and they've been phenomenal. Um, you know, I, I think the one pairing that doesn't work well is Holgate and Keen. Yeah. That, that just, that just doesn't, doesn't work well. Um, so I, and I kind of look at it, yeah, Godfrey and Mina's probably your number one pairing, but if 
Keen and Mina or Keen and Godfrey are doing well, yeah. you, you ride them. Um, you know, I, I think there's enough understanding between the three of them and even Holgate to make four that you're okay with any combo outside of Keen Holgate. It's just a matter of how well they're playing together and feeding off each other. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I think right now, I, I agree. I think Keen and Mina, you know, I, th- I think Keen gets a lot of slack a lot of the time, but I think for the most part, he doesn't, he just makes really dumb mistakes that, that happen to be very, very, you know, big mistakes and big moments. But for the most part, I, I think, and those are magnified, but for the most part, I think he does a pretty solid job and has done a pretty solid job this year. So as of right now, I'd probably still roll with them. Obviously, you know, some things come into, come into that and, you know, if they have, you know, tall, you know, tall center forward or, or, you know, guys who are going to cause problems or if there's quickness, um, you know, maybe you switch those pairs up just based on the matchup. But I think right now, if everyone's healthy, it's probably Keen and Mina and, and, you know, maybe Godfrey switching in there for, for Keen. Um, anything else you want to touch on, on this game that we haven't touched on already before we, we move on? No, I think, I think we covered it all. Yeah, I think we did as well. I think we did as well. All right, so let's take a quick break. We'll come back with some kind of mixed bag Everton stuff um, um, after this. All right, we're back, and we're talking a little bit of everything here with Everton. A lot of different things going on, but let's start with where we are in the season. As I mentioned at the beginning of the pod, I think this is our most points since 2004 season that we ended up, I believe, qualifying for Champions League that season. Um, at 14 through seven games, most points through seven games, I should say. Um, obviously, haven't had the toughest of schedules. We, we haven't really played the big guys yet. Things may end up evening out in the end. But Everton have been beating some of the lower teams that they've struggled with. As we sit at this point of the season, seven games in, looking forward probably, you know, what, what is this now? You know, not even almost about a fifth of the way through the season. What's your feeling how, on how Everton have performed so far? I, I like it. Uh, you know, it's, you can always quibble about odds and ends here and there, but um, I like it so far. The thing I, you know, I've been banging in our Slack channel is we did this last year. I mean, we were top of the league for what, a week or two last year. And then the bottom fell out and you know it's it is a marathon we're not even a quarter of a way through the season at this point um you know it's i i want to see where we're at at christmas that that's what really matters you know you look at historically right now 14.7 matches so two points per game if we kept that up that's a top four finish um pretty much every year you're, you're top four and depending on the year you're maybe even in the outside of a title race um for you know at least into february march so definitely definitely the the we want to stay at this level but you know before we declare mission accomplished all as well we, we've got to get a little further into the season yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, I mean, I think, you know, when you look at the schedule, again, this has been an easier schedule even than last year. Um, again, uh, you know, one of the big things was we did falter against some of the lower teams. 
teams like Norwich, teams like, you know, Burnley, teams that have, you know, been very bad and we performed poorly against them. Um, but again, this has been, we've played Southampton, who are currently, you know, sitting in 17th place. We've played Leeds, who haven't been great. We've played Burnley, who haven't been great. Brighton's actually been pretty good, so that's a so far a good win. Aston Villa, we got beat. Um, but we did beat uh, Norwich and then and then tied Man United. Um, I think the difference from last year is that there's a little bit more – there's a little different style of play, but I, I agree that, um, you know, it is – it's still early. We need to wait and see. But I think that this start is a little bit more sustainable for a couple reasons. Last year when we went down with injuries, it seemed like we fell apart. Um, you know, last year it was – it, not even injuries, suspensions, because I think everybody got suspended. But we had a stretch of after the Liverpool game, which we were undefeated through, I think, four Premier League matches, we had a stretch of Southampton, Newcastle, and Leeds. All teams that I believe finished in the bottom half of the table last season and didn't manage to win any of them. And that was without Dean only for one game, Richarlison for obviously the three, and then I think Coleman was out at that point as well. So... um I think there's a little bit difference this year. I think, think that this may be a little bit more sustainable, but again, we don't know. Um, the good thing is that we've been able to perform without injuries. We've been able to beat the teams we should beat. And granted, the schedule will get more difficult down the road once uh, November rolls around. We get Wolves and Tottenham and Man City and Brentford and Liverpool and Arsenal and Chelsea all in a matter of a month and a half. But um, just got to keep moving forward, get some players back and start to get healthy again. And just get to January. I think that's the most important thing. Get to January in a good spot so that you're spending rather than selling. Um, I think that's, that's the most important thing. Yeah, and, and I've been tracking now for seven, seven eight years. And when you break up our, our seasons into how we do against the top six, the teams that get relegated, and then similar teams, you know, long-term Premier League teams, mid-table. Um, our best seasons come where, yeah, we're, we're knocking it out against the relegated teams, you know, two-plus points per game against them. But we also have to do well against the teams that are mid-table. Um, you, you know, generally, like the similar teams, and there's about four or five I look at in this comparison, you – you can see when we finish, you know, 10th, 11th, we're looking at, uh, you know, one to one and a half points per game. But when we're finishing seventh and eighth, that number is more like two points per game. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the top six just kind of falls out. It all depends just on the given year. Um, but, but it is really about that. Beat the teams you're supposed to, regardless of it's home or away, you know, do well at home, you know, maybe get points away against similar teams yeah. and then against the top six, just get what you can and yeah, get absolutely. as many draws. Yeah. yeah. And so we'll, we'll see how this goes, but you know, right now our season's two points per game. The best we had was 2016, 2017 um, when we were doing 1.6 points per game over the full season. Yeah. Uh, and even to be fair, that was a down year. Last year, we did 1.55 points per game. Mm -hmm. 
which was the second highest and finished 10th. So those are the margins you're looking at and the quality of the league matters. You know, is this going to be an up year or a down year or something in between? And that affects it as well. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see, um, you know, some difficult tests coming up. We're going to know by December 1st, I think, or yeah, I think around December 1st, we're going to know what this team is, I think. Um, And even then after that, some difficult games, but I think we'll know by December what this team is, how they can compete, if they can compete. I mean, again, listen, you're going to have off days. So maybe they don't, you know, and there are teams that are phenomenal and have just better players than us. And we're going to get beat on those days. Namely, probably Man City. Uh, you know, it's like, like those are the teams we're going to lose. Like, we're going to lose to those teams or we can maybe get a draw and it's going to be a good draw. But um, like you said, if you can stay steady and keep on that, you know, I think probably, you know, like obviously two points would be great. Two points is going to get two points per game is going to get you, um, like you said, in into the top four. But even if you can stay even a little bit under that, um, you know, I think you're looking at a good season. And um, it'll be interesting to see how Everton even out over the over the next few weeks here, because this is this is the challenging part of the schedule. Um, and this is really the first challenge for Rafa Benitez and company. So um, we'll see how that plays out. We did talk a little bit about um, January. Um, obviously Everton, hopefully going to be looking to make some moves. There have been some holes obviously that need to be filled, whether we, whether we're doing well or not, we're going to probably, I mean, I think we're going to need to write back at some point, but we have been linked with a player by the name of Aaron Ramsey has played some football, uh, here at Arsenal in the premier league. Um, but also, uh, is it was over in Juventus as well. Talk to me about Aaron Ramsey and whether he, you think he fits or doesn't fit. Is this an Andre Gomez situation? What are we looking at with Aaron Ramsey? And if he were to come to Everton, what would we be getting and would it work? Hard pass. I mean, that's a 30-year-old midfielder that's, you know, billed as a box-to-box midfielder. Nah, like, move on. It, it's, it's, uh, it, it screams desperation and you know the price will likely be a lot higher than what we want um i i don't really see why you know why we'd entertain it you know there's plenty other players go go look at someone in the championship i mean if you want a warm body that's fine uh but it's hard for me to see how ramsey provides value especially when he's trying to get out of juventus because he's not playing that much. So what, why, why bring him in? I, I just don't see it. I feel like it's one of those, oh, it's a, it's a name. It's a young Welsh, you know, or well, not young anymore, but he was a young Welsh star. He played for Arsenal, you know, all these things you hear and people want him based on that name. Um, you know, maybe Rafa sees something, you know, if he's going to be a super sub, or something along those lines. Yeah, maybe. But so I always say we should, we should be looking to bring in players that are better than our current starters. That's how you get a better squad here. Not by bringing in backups to improve our bench. You know, I, I, that's, that's not how we compete. Um, And I think that's been a problem with a lot of recruitment at Everton over the last you know, well, probably 15 plus years, but certainly since uh, Mashiri bought the club uh, and we've actually had the money to go buy better players, 
that's what you have to do. It's, oh, hey, yeah, that's awesome. We have Richarlison. That's cool. There's someone better than him that we can go get or someone we think that'll be as good or better if we sell Richarlison. That's the type of move you have to make. Um, so for me, it's a pass. I, I, you know, he'd probably be fine off the bench. You know, if you had to start during injuries, due to injuries, he'd be okay. But I, I just don't look at him and go, yeah, I want it. I want him in the lineup over anyone else here when healthy. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. I, I think, you know, he, he kind of, I don't know, I, I said Andre Gomez before. I don't know in my head it kind of seems like a very Andre Gomez type player um, and, and probably around the same quality at this point in his career. Um, my thing in the center midfield is, is, and we talked about this, I think, last week with Calvin. I think I talked about it uh, or two weeks ago. Um, it, it would be nice to get a player in that can either be a defensive piece to let Allen – and and Ducore fly forward more and be more free going forward or get a piece that will you know keep Allen back more and and just be more creative piece going forward but I don't think Aaron Ramsey is either of those players I think he probably fits in the same role like you said as either Allen probably more like Ducore and Ducore I think is you know at his age and and where he's at right now is um is just a better option so I would probably, I mean, unless the price tag is extremely low for some reason, I would probably pass on him as well because I think there's better players. And you want players that are going to want to come to Everton and want to be there, want to perform. You know, I think we talked about this with Richarlison last week and his comments. He's a player who came to Everton as a young player. Everybody was, oh, my God, they're spending 50 million pounds on this guy. But he came in. He works hard every day. He plays for the badge every day. And I think that's the type of player you need to bring in, whether it's old, young, whatever it may be. Andros Townsend has been, I think, a, a good example of that as well, where he's come in and he's worked hard. He may be a little older, but for the right price, is, you know, but obviously free, but has come in, worked hard, and, and done a good job. And I, I think it's just Aaron Ramsey doesn't fit the build of type of players that we need to be bringing in right now. So I would, I would be passing on him as well. Um, but I guess we'll see come January. Um, one of the final thing, the final thing I want to talk about, obviously, um, Newcastle recently bought, and this could be a quick one here, but Newcastle recently, you know, bought out, bought out by uh, Saudi Arabian, um, you know, ownership. Rafa Benitez has been a, has been there, was a king when he was over there. I know our own Pete Reynolds had even mentioned the possibility. Is there any possibility of him leaving Everton at any point to go over there? Do you think that's something that can happen or something that we need to worry about as Everton fans? Or is that something that may be a little far-fetched? I, I mean, you never say never. You look at what happened with Enchilati in the offseason. But, uh, you know, odds are they're going to want to splash some cash. They'd want to bring in a big-name manager. You know, and really when you look at where their season's likely going – they may not be able to do that until they get back to the Premier League. Um, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's kind of that they gotta they gotta stabilize things a little bit. They should be able to provide some cash, which will help. Uh, but I I think if if Rafa was to leave, it would be several years down the line at that point, and it would be very it would be a very different 
situation. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't, I, you know, if, if I'm Rafa, I, I look at it, yeah, okay, I'm a hero. Folks here are pretty happy with him at this point. Uh, why leave and go deal with the relegation fight? Yeah. Um, especially when you've got twitchy, uh, twitchy owners with lots of money who are likely going to go, yeah, you got us relegated, you're gone in six months yeah Um, i i i have a hard time seeing it until that club is stabilized a bit and spent some money and actually built that squad up a bit more yeah i think the only thing would be the worries about everton's current transfer chest compared to what newcastle's probably would be um but i I don't know i think it's a little i i don't know if it would i i don't see it happening i mean i i think rafa's very happy very content where he is right now um, I think things are going well. I think, you know, he's got a handle on this squad and has done a really good job with them. So I would, I mean, Newcastle is one of the four teams that have yet to record a win this season and have currently have negative eight goal differential on three points uh, through seven games. So, um, you know, I, I don't see it right now. Um, and hopefully that's, you know, hopefully that's the case and things just continue to ride in a good fashion for Everton and Rafa. Um, and, and, and things just continue to move, move in the direction that they have been, been moving. But figured we had to address it just because it's been uh, – I mean, there are, there are Newcastle fans calling for him that I've seen in some of the comments sections. So um, I guess it's not, as, it's not that far-fetched, but um, I don't think he – I think we both agree that he's not, he's not going anywhere. Um, let's take another quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk a little bit um, about West Ham on Sunday. All right, we're back, and we're talking about West Ham, Everton, Sunday, October 17th, 9 a.m. Um, this is a matchup, one of the, again, another tough matchup for Everton. West Ham had a really solid start to the season um, and then kind of have petered off since, uh, to, you know, in, in, in competitions, um, in cup competitions. They, they obviously advanced – to, uh, to the fourth round of the EFL Cup over Man United, and then have done pretty well. They've won their first two games in the Europa League. But since that start that saw them win, um, win two of their first four games and not drop any or not lose any games over those four, um, they've lost to Man United 2-1 in the Premier League. They've beaten, West, or beaten Leeds United on, I believe, a late yeah 90th-minute goal um, by Mikel Antonio. And then they lost last week to Brentford. Um, so a little bit crazy recently for them. They currently sit in ninth place on 11 points. Um, I can't remember what happened last year when Everton played them. I'm looking it up right now. Everton did win May 9th last year. They won one nothing over, over West Ham. And I believe that one was, um, that was at West Ham. And then earlier in the season... They uh, lost one nothing at home on January 1st uh, to West Ham. So um, West Ham always seem to be a team that we kind of find ourselves around each and every year. Um, obviously, David Moyes there now, a familiar face. Your thoughts so far on West Ham's um, season and, and how they've performed uh, up to this point? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of classic David Moyes. Um, you know, we... It's a little deja vu, you know, watching what the, what he's done with them and, you know, remembering his time at Everton. Uh, 
you know, may say probably a little, probably more talent, especially on the attacking side, than I'll say most of his squads at Everton. You know, probably the the o o eight to o ten time frame may be the only exception. Um, but it it's a lot more of direct uh, direct play. They've kind of continued. Um, there was a phenomenal article on West Ham last year and how they were essentially exploiting some of the inefficiencies um, that you see in, in soccer right now. Um, you know, it's kind of the, for the U S listeners talk about money ball in baseball yeah. and, and, and everything. And what Moyes is, is he's kind of the, the guy that comes in afterwards and he's gone, Hey, this is what everybody's trying to do. Here are all the stats. Here's all the things people are looking at in players let's go find guys that are phenomenal at the things that aren't being valued because we can get the best guys at it and we can get them within our budget and then he's brought them in and they're playing a style yeah it's a little more direct etc etc but teams aren't ready to accommodate it and they don't have experience dealing with it so they're able to kind of outperform I'll say expectations, but then you look at the underlying numbers and yeah, they are outperforming like a, a little bit from what you might expect, but the, the underlying numbers are good. So it becomes a, a dedicated effort to really try to beat them. Um, you've got a plan for them. You've got, it, it, it's a different way of thinking for defenders and, and understanding some of those runs off the ball and, and the target play, things like that, you know, as a, as opposed to, oh, well, everyone's trying to be Man City light or, or yeah. pressing in these ways, that type of thing. Um, so it'll be a good challenge. I mean, obviously with who's fit and who's not is, is going to make a difference. But I think he, even if we ran out the same squad as two weeks ago, you know, I think the draw would be, you know, okay. And you'd still be shooting for a win. Yeah, I think, you know, West Ham, and unfortunately we catch them on the end of an international break before they go on their third Europa League game rather than after. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they're an interesting team. They just they, they seem to kind of have, uh, you know, we speak about Man United and a, and a group of individuals, a group of very talented individuals who don't play well together. West Ham are a little bit the opposite. You don't really hear or haven't really heard of many of their names, but they play well as a team. Um, and, and they've managed to perform pretty well here over the course of this, the, this season, despite the, you know, the little slip-ups um, over the past few weeks. What scares you about this uh, West Ham team? I think it's just seeing enough teams like this, you know, okay, and, uh, you know, and, and what – what can they do that's unexpected? How are they going to catch us in a moment where, hey, one guy's out of position or one guy stepped over here at, to, you know, fill in and they hit us on the counter? Uh, you know, something like that. Um, you know, I, I, it, maybe it's a little bit more of a, uh, a, a fear based on previous incidents with other clubs you know, in other matches, but it's a valid one. Um, I, I think obviously, you know, without uh, Jack Grealish, uh, you know, that, that makes a difference. But um, 
sorry, not well, that was brain fart. Um I'm I'm drawing a blank on him. Jesse Lingard. Uh, yes. Uh, I was like, wait, no, not not at all. Wrong man. The other one of the other uh, seventeen Clarendon blue teams in the Premier League. Right. Oh yeah. Pick better colors, people. Um <laughs> uh you know, it, it changes things, but but for me, it's more the team concept and everything said about Moy. You know, uh, he wants to win this game. He he's he knows what he's doing, even when things aren't working well for him. Um, but I, uh, I, yeah, it's more of that than any specific player, I'll say, or 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 one thing I can put my finger on. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's. Um... Mikel Antonio obviously scares me. I think he's the most dynamic player on their team. And then, um, you know, Suchek has, um, I don't know if he's had that great of a start this year, but obviously performed really well last year. And I think in that midfield can be an important piece for them. Those are the two pieces that I think really, really scare me. Obviously, Antonio, I just think his strength, his ability to kind of make something out of nothing, at least at the beginning, you know, through the first seven games of this season has been phenomenal. He didn't go on international break to Jamaica, so he'll be well-rested. Um, so, you know, that's, a, that's one of the players that scares me um, in terms of when I think of, of West Ham. But other than that, I think it's, you know, a team that we can, we can deal with and, and has the, the other players, you know, is if we can cut off that, 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 you know, passageway to Antonio, then I think, you know, the other players aren't going to beat us. I, I think that Antonio is going to be the player. If we lose this game, it will be, I think, because of him. Um, and or, you know, maybe Suchek, uh, you know, dominating things in the middle and, and, and that midfield. But um, are we – do you expect any play? We haven't gotten, obviously, any news yet. Players still on international break. I don't think, you know, any press conferences have been had yet. We think we get any players back from the Dominic Calvert-Lewin – um, you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison, Seamus Coleman area over there. You know, I, I know when Richarlison was first injured, um, the thought was he'd kind of be back after the, uh, or, you know, around this, this uh, international break. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm hopeful there, uh, you know, Maybe with the DCL, you know, even just getting one of them. But I, I'm not expecting much. Um, you know, the the best part may be supposedly uh, Gambin is fully fit. Oh. So you you know, and that that's from like two weeks ago, I think. Uh, one of Rafa's pre-match press conferences, he mentioned like he's. It sounded like he's fully released for training, you know, fully fit. There, there's no restrictions. So it's just a matter of, uh, you know, getting, getting comfortable in the match, et cetera. Um, so maybe he's someone we see, uh, you know, it, it is interesting just because originally, well, and I guess Coleman was three weeks as well. So we're, we're kind of right on that timeline. Um, so yeah, and I, as I quickly scan to see if there's any rumors yeah, about same. fitness, yeah. um, I, I haven't, I haven't seen anything, uh, even on Twitter, you know, yeah. the friend of a friend whose brother's girlfriend or, or whatever, <laughs> uh, saying stuff, which I guess is also good. Cause normally that's how we hear about injuries. Um, 
but we'll we'll see uh we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think Richarlison's got a shot at coming back. We saw him doing some stuff in the gym um before the international break, before even the the Man United game. So I think Richarlison's got a shot at coming back. We haven't really heard much about Coleman and Dominic Calvert-Lewin, so I'm not sure there. Another player to look out for is Luca Dean. Um, uh, he was, you know, seemingly injured on international duty, sent home from international duty after, I guess, picking up was it an ankle sprain or something like that? Um, I'm not entirely sure. I have to look it up again. Um, but he will be out, which again continues. I mean, if if that's the case, I don't really know <laughs> how we go about this. Yeah. Um, yeah, hamstring injury. So, um, it, honestly, very good chance that he does not play in this game and may not be and may be out for a, a while. In terms of lineup, how do you expect this team to line up uh, come Sunday? I, you know, I kind of expect it to basically be what we saw against United. You know, the, and then it just comes down to is anybody back from injury? Um, you know, I guess maybe the real question with uh, with Dean, is, you know, is what how we uh, change things. Because, yeah, it looks like it was a hamstring injury. So my personal thought is we're not going to see him, um, if he, especially if he was sent home, uh, you know. And, and I mean, whew. Uh, you know, you're op- the first thought everyone's probably going to have is let's go to a three, five, two. It's because literally then, what exactly going through my mind. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> I, yeah. And, and the problem, I think if you do that is we've shown a complete inability to play competent defense in a three, five, two. Um, have we played with three at the back under Rafa yet? Uh, I feel like I've seen it a few times. Yeah, I feel like I've seen it once, switch. but I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, and and it, I think some of it is you just got, don't have guys who are comfortable doing it, and it it takes a different mentality. But even if you go three five two, okay, are we putting Gordon at left back? No, hard yeah, pass. Because I, um, I keep forgetting a Wobie's still like not healthy or whatever. I don't know what did he. I, I, I he's not available. I think still. So I keep because he would be my first choice. There would be I would put a Wobie at left wing back or whatever, and then put Townsend. I guess at the other one. I I don't know. Yeah. Well, and and I think if you if you play at three five two, you can get away with John Joe Kenny, uh, yeah. as your right wing back because he has coverage. Um, you know, really what we would probably see is, um, if he was healthy, is Fabian Delph. Because you play 3-5-2, yeah. Delph is your left wing back, you know, fills everybody with excitement, cuddly feelings, and joy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, like, you'd probably run like that. But, I, you know, I'd... You know, I'd, I'd almost – I guess the only other option you might have is either you put John Joe Kenny in at right back, and if you slide Ben Godfrey out to left back, um, yeah. or you slide in Mason Holgate at left back. Um, that sounds like an absolute you know. disaster. <laughs> you know, that's – There's not many options. Oh, you're right. There, there, there aren't many options with the players we seemingly will have available. 
Um, yeah, and and I don't even know. Maybe you could do Branthwaite. I I don't know if he's actually. I mean, and this is purely a who's a defender that sniffed the first team and is healthy yeah. kind of situation. Uh, you know, I but I, my guess would be if he can't go. You're looking at either Holgate in at left back with the same other three, or you see a, a like Godfrey over to the left and John Joe Kenny in. Neither's really that exciting. Um, <laughs> you know, I I would probably have more faith in Godfrey on the left, John Joe on the right, just because you know for all of his faults, Kenny at least he's a defender. He knows the concepts he can work within the structure of the team. And then it's just a matter of making sure whomever your right midfield is and, you know, a decore that they're, they're ready to assist. So you may have to sacrifice something on the attacking side, but given our natural love of counters, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's simply amazing that, Four games, four Premier League games at least, after the transfer window in which we did not sign a, a right back and we sent away our only other left back cover, that four, it took four games, four games for us to have problems at both positions. It took one game for us to have a problem at, at right back. Um, but it, it's, I mean, I don't even know. Like, we were talking through it and I, I don't know, I don't know how you attack this. Um, but that's why Rafa does the job that we don't have to do because he estimates he makes the tough decisions and um, we'll see. But I, I mean, I, again, like you said, I, I thought three at the back or like I said, I thought three at the back right away, but unsure of where Wobi is unsure of, you know, some of these other things. And it's, you know, Seamus Coleman fit. If he's not fit, you know, how do you approach this? Um, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how Everton line up on um, Sunday. Um, what do Everton have to do to win this game? Uh, it, men, mental toughness is the biggest thing. Because with this, it, it's the defense always being switched on. Because that's how West Ham will kill us is whether it's once, twice, three times, make a mistake, you know, and boom, they're in. And and that's where, you know, it's the hardest thing because we could have our full starting 11, you know, everybody's healthy and you could still have one or two of those moments and get absolutely punished. Um, And so I think with a depleted squad, in some ways it may make it easier because everyone's – I'll use a hockey analogy. When the backup goalie comes in, the defenders start blocking more shots, getting in front of stuff, getting ready. Some of that applies here in soccer too. If if you know, Hey, our right back's kind of weak. We got a game plan here. We got to all be on the same page. Boom, boom, boom. That may help. Uh, But, but it is, it's that piece of it. I'm, I'm less worried about generating an attack because of how good we've been on the counter. Um, you know, I I don't think it'll be pretty, but I, I, that's why I'm, I kind of focus on the mental toughness piece. 
Yeah, I mean, um, I guess the beauty of it, this international break, is that, you know, I guess with the injuries and whatnot, I think Dean was the only player to actually go on international break this um, – oh, no, Yarimina went to Columbia as well. Um, but, you know, not too many players going off to international break uh, this, uh, this, this window. So that obviously helps with knowing your problems and, and being able to assess them while other people may have, have players out. But, um, yeah, I think we're going to have to just, again, I, I'll, you know, I think the, the center backs going to have a, a big challenge on their hands, especially if they had their outside backs, aren't their typical outside backs. I think the center backs are going to have to handle whatever Antonio throws at them. I, you know, in my head, I'm playing over, you know, Mike, and, and I know I just said he's been solid other than a few mistakes this year, playing in my head a Michael Keane mistake somehow against Antonio due to somebody being out of position and him having to play. You know, it, it just, in my head, it doesn't, it doesn't look great just based on the injuries that we have. But we have performed without injuries. We've done a decent job without the injury or with, or with injuries, I should say. Um, and, you know, I think it's, you know, what's been the recipe for the last seven games, counterattacking football. That's going to have to be it again. Hopefully we can get some players back for Charleston back so that Rondon doesn't have to try and play 90 minutes up top. Um, but it's going to be a tough battle. What, what, are your, um, what are your predictions for this one? I think it's going to be a 1-1 draw, and we're going to hate every minute of it. <laughs> I, 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 I tend to agree with you there. I was thinking one, one, two. Um, I think it's, I don't, as much as I say, I'm, I'm worried about a lot of the things being that we have the injuries. I think that we will play to a one, one draw, but I think it's going to be an ugly, ugly, ugly one, one draw. Um, it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be hard fought. It's going to be gritty, but being optimistic and going to go with a one, one draw. Um, anything else you got on the, on the mind, Brian? No, that's it. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate it tonight. No problem. Always a pleasure. Yes, yes, of course. And, um, you know, for you guys out there, again, the game is uh, Sunday, October 17th at 9 a.m. over here on the East Coast uh, over in England. I believe it's uh, 2 p.m. over there. Um, but that's it for us. Appreciate all your support. Just remember to keep following, subscribing, downloading episodes, whatever you need to do to keep getting these episodes. We appreciate it all, and we'll talk to you guys next week.